You are listening to a podcast from Essendon Presbyterian Church in Melbourne, recorded 10 a.m. on January 7, 2024, presented by Reverend Len Pierce. So we're going to read again from the Word of God in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verses 1 to 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verses 1 to 14. This will be the third time I'm coming to you. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. I've told you before and foretell as if I were present the second time and now being absent, I write to those who have sinned before and to all the rest, but if I come again, I will not spare, since you seek proof of Christ speaking in me, who is not weak towards you, but mighty in you. For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Prove yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. Now I pray to God that you do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that you should do what is honourable, that we may seem disqualified. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. And this also we pray that you may be made complete. Therefore I write these things, being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness according to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification and not for destruction. Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God and love of God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So before we come to this word, again, there's a few difficult things there to understand, isn't there? So let's come to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, this is your word still, your living word, your word that's full of light and life and uh, salvation for our souls. We come, Lord, before you confessing that without your spirit at work among us, we cannot understand what it means. We cannot apply this word to our lives. We cannot do what we should do. Only when you're at work, Lord, because we are weak in ourselves. We are sinners. We are uh, incomplete. We are incompetent. And we just need to trust you for everything. So, Lord, help us to understand. Help us to apply your word to our lives. Help us to be the people we must be. We ought to be with Christ in us, Lord. Just uh, 
Open our eyes to see and our ears to hear. As we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the title of our message this morning is to examine ourselves as to whether we are in the faith or not, from 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. And then the verse goes on to say, Prove yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? unless indeed you are disqualified. This uh, text is a good text for the start of a new year and it's a text with very great significance in the history of the Christian church and missions in particular because it was the text from which George Whitfield, the great evangelist of the 18th century, the text from which he preached his last sermon, and there probably was no greater preacher of the gospel since apostolic days than George Whitfield, a friend and colleague of John and Charles Wesley. He preached from this text on the 29th of September 1770 in America, in Maine, in Front Street, Exeter, in Maine, New Hampshire, actually. And immediately afterwards, when he finished his sermon, he went to be with the Lord, just like that. And those who were with him said he died from exhaustion. His heart just stopped. He wore himself out. During the 34 years of his ministry, we know that Whitfield preached something like 18,000 times, which is almost two sermons every day. He crossed the Atlantic to the British colonies seven times to preach and uh, it's there that he passed triumphantly to be with the Lord. The preaching of Whitfield brought about such change in people's lives, amazing changes in people's lives, that the gospel became embedded in the foundation of the American colonies. Right from the beginning through the preaching of men like Whitfield, it was mass turning to God and that found its way into the Constitution and into all parts of American life. God was at work. He's the preacher I told you about once who once preached in a, on a common in England, in London, to 30,000 people gathered. And every single person in the 30,000 heard every word he spoke. <coughs> He was just a wonderful man of God. And here's the last text that he preached from. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Prove yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. I wonder if you can imagine just a little how Whitfield must have applied that message to his hearers on that day. If you'd like to read about Whitfield, there are two volumes about him by Arnold Dallimore. There's the first volume. I tell you, if you read this, your life will be changed. If you read the first volume, you've got to read the second one as well. <laughs> I've got them both at home. This one's here. If you'd like to take it and read it, you're sure you can read it, please take it and then come back for the second volume. 
It's a, just a wonderful story. Now we, at this point in the new year, at the point where many people make resolutions and try to turn over a new leaf. But I just want to tell you, if you've made the one and only great resolution of life, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what, and to have him 100% over your lives, there's no other resolution possible, no other resolution that will work. Because every decision of life is brought under his control anyway. So our sermon heading is to examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. And there are three things you have to do as part of that. Examine yourselves, prove yourselves, know yourselves. These are the things you must do. So firstly, how do you examine? Every one of us knows what an examination is. We used to sit them at school. We have medical examinations. We have examinations when we apply for a job. And these examinations all have results. And this examination in verse 5 has a particular result because it's examining us as to whether we're truly Christians, if we're truly in the faith. And for the examination to be successful, it has to be done according to the rules. And there are certain rules. For school examinations, you have to answer special questions that are set to you according to the rules. And there's a pass mark. You'll be surprised when I tell you that to pass this examination from God that you have to undertake, the pass mark is 100%. If you don't get 100% in this examination, you're not there. You haven't passed the test. I'll explain that more to you in a moment. It's one of the, one of the most important, if not the most important, examination of one's lifetime. We must ask our question, ourselves this question, using God's word as the light to shine upon our lives, to search and examine ourselves. But you have to conduct the examination. It must be your initiative to do so. And there's no more important question for exam in time or eternity than this one. Because we're all heading for eternity, we're living this life here, just, just a snap of the fingers, isn't it? So short, like that, and it's gone. And then there's eternity, which is forever, ahead, ahead of us. We don't get any second chance. We have to get it right the first time. The die is set here. Fred Hollows, that great surgeon who did so much for humanity, the eye surgeon, Apparently, he was, he was purported to say when somebody once said to him, Fred, do you believe in God? He said, I don't know. But if it turns out when I get there that there is a God, I'm going to negotiate with him then. How's that for self-deceit? And so how sad to have that kind of attitude. No understanding of, of who God is or anything like that. He was very sadly deceived. Great man that he was. So in this examination, and above everything else, we must be careful not to deceive ourselves. This is the big danger. When we set our own standards as to what it, as to what it means to be a Christian, 
we deceive ourselves at this greatest of all crossroads. When I was visiting the jails of Victoria in the 1990s, looking for Muslims in jail, the uh, governor of the Barwon jail, that I used to say good day to on my way in, at behind his big desk and his seat, right across the wall, he had written, this prison is protected by a false sense of security. This prison is protected by a false sense of security. And that can be so true of us in our own lives when we come to this amazing subject, an important subject. We falsely think sometimes God will never let us down. God is love. He loves me. He'll find a way, which is a false assumption because he has made the way and it's the only way. And if we don't take that way, it means we're lost forever. And there really is a hell. No one in all of history spoke so much about hell as our Lord Jesus Christ. He often spoke about it because that's what he came to save us from. And you know what he did, what he had to do to save us. So we need to ask ourselves, is the life we are living now a merely human life motivated by what's within us without God, trying to live a good life, attending church, listening to sermons, reading our Bibles, praying, doing all the right things, because that's what Christians do. Is that what we are? Well, if that's the case, that's not the Christian life. It's not the saving life of Christ. Far from it. Christian life involves a saving experience of Christ, a change in our lives from ordinary to super-ordinary. That's what the Christian life involves. It's not just agreement with a set of beliefs. It's not just church attendance, doing good things. It involves a new life within you that only Christ can give you. It changes your life. So you become a new person. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has passed away, the new has come. It's a dramatic change in our lives to really know God in that way, in that saving way. And to be born anew by the Spirit of God is the beginning of our salvation life. I work it out that the average church person will visit church over 2,000 times in their lifetime. It's all useless to save you. It's no good coming to God and saying, look, God, I've done 2,000 visits to church in my lifetime. Surely that's enough. You say, no, I'm sorry. That's not the way. You can say, well, I've been a missionary. I've been an elder. I've served on many church committees. I've never done any gross sin in my life. But it won't be enough because the pass mark is 100%. Nothing short of 100% will get you there. You must examine yourself 
against the standard of perfection. Perfection is the only standard that's acceptable to God. You and I to be in heaven. God is love. He's also piercingly holy and righteous, without any stain of sin, glorious in his majesty. To be with God forever, you have to arrive there in a state of perfection. You must be perfect. One small sin is enough to keep you out of heaven. Because there's no sin in heaven. It's a place of perfection, which can never be spoiled by any means possible, impossible. To enter at the gate, you must be perfect. So don't be deceived. It's so easy to be deceived in this matter. So this is where we not only have to have Christ in us, but to be in Christ, hidden in Christ, completely covered by Christ, his perfection and his complete sacrifice for us means he transfers to us his perfection. The cross and the resurrection made it possible for that to happen. And when he covers us in his perfection, God sees us in the perfection of Christ and we're welcomed. And the blood of Christ washes us internally from all our sins. In the book of Ephesians, which is so much about being in Christ as well as Christ in us. In Christ appears about 35 times. We are in the heavenly places in Christ. We are chosen in him. We are adopted through Christ. We are in the beloved. We are redeemed in him. We are given an inheritance in him. We are given hope in him. We are sealed in him. We are made alive together with Christ. We are raised and seated with him. We are created in Christ. We're brought near by his blood. We're growing in Christ. We are a partaker of the promise in Christ. We're given access by faith in him. When Christ died on the cross, you also died in him. When Christ was raised, you were raised together with him. Amazing things in the book of Ephesians. You ascended with him, and now the word of God tells us we sit with him in the heavenly places. It's all been accomplished. It's finished. Salvation of the believer. And he's not just with you and around you like the air you breathe. He's in you. He's in the true Christian. He lives within us. And we live in him. It's a two-way arrangement. Christ in us, us in Christ. 100% perfect in the sight of God. Isn't that amazing? That's what the Christian life's all about. In Christ, Christ in us, 100% perfect in the sight of God. That's what he did on the cross and in the resurrection. We have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear at all. The pass mark is 100%. We pass with flying colours because of what Christ has done. He in us, us in him. Let's just think about this for a moment. Because even if you could live perfectly from now until you die, what about all the past? How many imperfections are there? There's no hope apart from Christ's perfection, transferred to the believer. Through the infinite sacrifice he offered in your place and mine, once we believe and have our lives changed dramatically. The saving power of the cross is to put the believer safely in Christ, <clears throat> completely covered, 
with the power to extend that covering to everyone who repents and believes. It's like we have a covering all over us, every part of us, nothing exposed, which is Christ around us, keeping us, saving us, presenting us to God in a perfect state. And that saving power goes back to Adam and it goes forward to the last person who believes before Christ comes again. Retrospective, prospective, we say. Back in history, forward in history. The cross is at the centre, the saving power goes back and forwards through all of history. Think of Adam and Eve. When they realised their sinfulness and their nakedness, they covered themselves with fig leaves that they picked from a tree. And it was useless. And that's the picture of all religion. All religion is man's effort to cover himself. It doesn't work. You can't do it. Fig leaves. Only when God himself killed an animal and shed blood and covered Adam and Eve with skins, we're told, was there a beginning of the work of salvation in their lives, picturing what was going to come when Christ came. Blood was shed. Look at the word there and you'll see. Adam and Eve trying to cover themselves with fig leaves, useless. God killing an animal, shedding blood, covering them with skins, working. The foreshadow of all that was to come. And the cross is the centre of human history. No doubt about that. <clears throat> so we're to be in Christ, having Christ himself like a layer of perfect, unspotted spiritual coating to cover us completely when we're in him. And we can only have that application to our lives when he is in us. But so Christ in us and we in Christ is the completed salvation. Examine yourselves, friends, on this first Sunday in 2024 as to whether this, this is true of you. Are you in the faith? Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. That's the exhortation of the Apostle Paul, which was preached by this amazing man, George Whitfield, in September 1770 in America, with amazing results. Then we're told you have to prove yourselves. That means hardship, suffering, a tough life to prove yourselves. Not taking it easy. Jesus said, the way is hard and the gate is narrow that leads to life, and few there be that find it. And when some people came to Jesus and said, we've done many mighty works in your name, we've cast out demons in your name, we've done great things in your name, he said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I don't know you. It wasn't the mighty works, it was the salvation life in their lives that was to count. That was how the proving took place. Then the seal of the examination <clears throat> is in knowing yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? And that's the big one. If Jesus Christ is in you, then you're a genuine Christian. You're living the genuine Christian life. You're not only having Christ in you, you're in Christ, 100% perfect in the eyes of God. 
and uh, you're a safe person. The quality of our lives should stand out like a beacon if Christ is in us. All the world should know that this person is exceptional because Christ is living him or in him or her. That's how it is. That's how it has to be. It's the kind of persons we ought to be if Christ is living in us. So examine yourselves, prove yourselves, know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified. And that word disqualified there means you're put into the furnace of the fires and it comes out that you're not true metal. It's the testing of the fires that prove that you're genuine and that you have this life within you. So friends, please check. Give yourself a check-up. That's the heart of this message. Please give yourself a check-up. Please examine yourselves. Make sure you achieve this 100% pass mark. Don't play with, uh, with a false idea until it's too late. And once you're gone from this life, it's too late. It has to be now. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time, the Apostle Paul said in another place. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Prove yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> thank you for your word that shines lights into our lives, that shows us the way we must take. Please help us not to be self-deceived, but to accept the truth about what it means to be a Christian, to accept the truth about what Christ has done for us, and trusting only, Lord, in what you've done. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to your cross I cling. All for sin could not atone. You must save and you alone. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. More messages of hope at EssendonPresbyterianChurch.org.au or wherever you get your podcasts from.